to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between, because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the Making the Brand podcast. Today is going to be the perfect episode to really wrap up 2020 because we're talking about a brand that I think really is brand of the year in 2020, in my opinion. We're talking about Peloton with my friends, Christina Garnett and Adam Pierno. Hi, guys. Hi, Hello. thanks for having us. So yeah. good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to have three of us on an episode today because Peloton like I said, has had such a great year. There's going to be so much to cover. So the more perspectives on this, the better. Um, but we've connected on Twitter. And I think a lot of anyone who listens to this podcast probably knows who you guys are. But Christina, if you could go first and just introduce yourself and give your background, and then we'll let Adam do the same. Absolutely. So I am a senior insight strategist at Visit, which is a visual intelligence I, um, AI tech startup in Boston. I have a weird background starting off as an English major math teacher and then blending them both. So I basically analyze, I get paid to overanalyze basically. <laughs> love it. Love it. Don't we all? That's what marketing <laughs> is, right? Facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, ironically, I'm Adam Pierno and I wrote a book called Underthink It. Um, that <laughs> is actually about taking marketing like from the very basics and, and uh, not overanalyzing it, which is what, yes, we all do that. I'm guilty of that more than most. Uh, but currently, I work as AVP of Marketing Strategy at Arizona State University, um, in addition to consulting and writing things and my own podcast called The Strategy Inside Everything. Yeah, which I listened to the episode that you guys did together. Just loved your energy. So I'm even more excited for uh, us recording this one. So again, thank you both. And I want to start off, I know, Christina, you do own a Peloton. Yes. And I wasn't sure if you did, Adam, if you're just an admirer from afar like I am. I don't. I do not own one, actually. In my, uh, in my second book called Specific, I talk about Peloton as a brand, like as a model for specific brands, but I'm not in their specific demo. So I am too cheap to buy a Peloton. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the record for saying that. So um I think this is, I was looking forward to this conversation because I think you have someone who's on the inside and then I'm clearly way on the outside looking at it and just more <laughs> of, a, of an observer. Yeah. I have a feeling by the time I'm done recording this, I'm going to be on the website and I'm going to have to get rid of this couch behind me. And that's just, that's where it's going to go. <laughs> well, if you buy one, from what I understand from their website, you have to put it in the most visible, important part of your house. So it has to like replace your dining room table, or you have to put it where your Christmas tree would go, or, you know, right. it has to be in the most key spot. Yeah. Pel the Peloton is like this, this decade's coffee book. Oh. The coffee table book. Yeah, yeah, that's replacing. So where do you keep yours, Christina? We have a family room, which we call the library because it's where all of our books are. And so it's right there by the by the window, although there's there's blinds there. But yeah, that usually tends to be near a window. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got to have the sunlight coming in. <laughs> I love it. OK, so I want to hear then your story, Christina, about how mm -hmm. you pulled the trigger on one. Did you buy one in 2020? Mm -hmm. Have you had one this whole time? Yeah. Tell us how you decided, okay, I need one of these bikes. Yeah. Um, I did buy one in 2020. I bought one basically like, this, like around June-ish. Mm -hmm. um, 
the one thing they don't really tell you is that it's going to take a while. I'm not in like a metropolitan area. So it was like a two month wait for me, um, which was, which was not what I was expecting. But the thing that's really cool about it is that once you start that, once you pay for it and start that membership, you're already able to use the app. And I, I feel like I understand why they do it, but I don't think enough people realize that you can actually use the app without the bike or the tread. Right. So you can, for like, I think it's around like 15, $16 a month. You're able to do like yoga bar Pilates. You can do like running outside and you can use it on other things. So if you want to do like the Peloton courses, but you're on like another bike, it's not going to have like the readout, but you're still going to be able to experience it. So if price is a, is like the main barrier for you, that's definitely a way to kind of like go around that. Um, Karen was a major influencer for me. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of it. I was looking at the classes um, and I was needing something, not just for physical exercise, but something to just kind of like get my mind off of it. And all of the conversations I was seeing were like very positive. And I was starting to see this community aspect show up where it, it feels kind of cult-like because everyone that's in there, they, they definitely understand. It's a dopamine like hit basically. Yeah. Every time you go in, you're, you're excited. The trainers are fantastic. Like they all look like Beyonce going out on stage and you're just there, just like, I'm a sweaty frumpy potato and I'm going to die at the end of this. <laughs> and like, they never look like they're out of breath. They dance half the time. Um, but I think it's been really interesting to see the shift because we started the year with that Peloton ad of like, she weighs like a buck 12. Yes. Like has never been overweight in her life. Probably was a buck 20 pregnant. And she's like trying to lose four pounds. And the rest of us are like, gosh, I was eight. Mm. And I was like, when I was that small. <laughs> yeah. um, so it didn't feel like the traditional demo, but pan the pandemic, what we saw was this massive shift where, we all were looking for an escape. We were all looking for something that was that was going to make our in-home life because we weren't leaving more valuable. And so like streaming, that takes care of entertainment. And then what takes care of exercise? Not being able to walk around. Well, I need something. And so Peloton really kind of fit that niche. Right. And I wonder if the uh, the delivery time was so long previously, or if it's just mm -hmm. a product of 2020 and everyone is flocking to these things, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a YouTube, uh, a YouTuber that I follow that I follow named Andrew Coleman Smith. And he took a while to get his, and he just did like a Peloton baby shower video of like, it's arrived. It's here a stream about that. So it's really crazy. That's um, really cute. Yeah. Um, so Adam, what do you think we really could have, we couldn't have predicted the success of Peloton this year? I mean, how would you really describe thinking back to 2019, how they were kind of the laughing stock of, uh, of advertising for a bit with that commercial and how they've really come back this year? I mean, do you think they got the last laugh or do you think there's anything we could take away from that moment in 2019 versus this huge opportunity they have now? Definitely. So they, you referenced the uh, Peloton wife commercial or the the hostage or whatever you want to call that thing. <laughs> um, it, it did something fantastic for them, which is, yeah, it made them a laughing stock for internet time, which is less than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But if you go and you look at your social listening platform and you look at that blue spike in mentions and the corresponding decrease in sentiment over that same time period, it created mental availability so that when COVID started happening and people 
at first, if you have to, you really have to remember this because we don't think about it this way, but in March, January, February, March, even into April, it was like 10, 12, 15 people at a time opting out of going to work before like, hey, nobody's going to work anymore. Yeah. So as those first group of people made those decisions and started to look for ways to avoid going out and doing things, that mental availability of that crazy ad that was so ill-conceived and ill-executed, it stuck in people's minds because even though, Christina, you're right, is it's weird. Um, they remembered it. They remembered the brand. They remembered that, okay, I can have this cool bike in my house. That was the key takeaway they got. They, don't, they, they were able to ignore everything else. And that brand stands out from anything else. Mm-hmm. And what we know is that any category, you look and you try to figure out what the brand is. So just like Tesla, there are Peloton true believers. And the pandemic created that second ring of customers that are, they look in and they understand the true believers. They understand that specific customer. And now they're trying to figure out, okay, I want what they have, even though I might not be that person. Right, and now they're now they're into wave three with uh, the treadmill and the, what do they call it? The tread. They have to have a cool name, I know, but, <laughs> um, but now they're into it with the, the third ring of people, and they're all building on that same level of awareness. And just it's really just now, because of Beyonce, because of Elvis, for crying out loud, it's just about yeah. mental availability. They're just trying to figure out ways to make themselves relevant to a, a wider ring each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got the Beatles now too, mm-hmm. but it's as if. Even if you were on the fence or you thought Peloton is never going to be for me, I already have my workout class that I go to. I already have this uh, routine in place. The pandemic made staying at home and at home fitness all of our routines. It it Mm -hmm. made us not really have a choice. And it's really fascinating for me in particular, because when I was in the corporate world, I did marketing for Orange Theory Fitness for a few years. And our stance was that Orange Theory is the one place where you do finally get that social interaction and you're not in front of a screen. And now, you know, I'm concerned about how they're doing. I think they're still staying afloat, but it's like at home fitness is back, which we never really I never really thought it would it would stick. Do you guys think it's going to be a fad or do you think it's here to stay this time around? You want to go first, Adam? You want me to? No, you go first, because I want to hear (laughs) I want to hear as a writer. I want to hear what your what you think you're going to do when you, when you're able to go back to a gym, what do you think you'll do? I think I'm going to stay. Um, the reason, I think the people who are already bought in, who already have that community around them, uh, going to a gym and having to do the hassle and having to go back to the commute and having to worry about what you look like and like all of those extra pieces, that's hard. That's going to feel, you're going to feel that extra weight. Like you wouldn't have felt if it was just like, I'm going to take the weekend off we've had a lot of time to acclimate to this lifestyle. So having to revert back to what felt normal before is now that's going to be the new normal Mm -hmm. is is having to go back to it. And it's going to feel like even more of an inconvenience, which is going to be a struggle. So I feel like if you've already bought in, you already have your bike, whether you paid for it in one lump or you paid for it monthly, whatever your financial situation is, it's, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to pay for that car as long and you're going to drive it until the wheels fall off. You're going to do the same thing with that bike. But I think also there is that social component. So like Clarissa and I last Saturday, we did the Beatles ride together. And this Saturday we're going to do another ride together. And so you get that community feel 
but because you're behind a screen and because you're at home, it actually kind of removes any of the barriers. Like, hey, I get to hang out with my friends, but I don't have to worry about what I'm dressed like. I don't have to worry about what my hair looks like. But you still get that communal piece, which is really nice. And the things that I've really liked is that Peloton has really kind of leaned into what online community looks like. Tell me more about that because I, I, I'm trying to figure out as a non-rider, I'm trying to figure out how yeah. are you connected. If you do a ride with your friend mm-hmm. and you both do the same ride, you mm-hmm. start at the same time, you hear the same soundtrack, you're watching the same trainer. Yes. So all of the rides, either it's either a live, like when they launch a ride, you get that first one where like you actually, like they'll say your name if you're on the leaderboard, like you actually get the same experience you would if you were in like a studio in New York, like one of the Peloton studios. But now all of them are recorded or they're live, but no one else is in the room with them. So they're actually going by like the digital leaderboard. Mm. But so you're able to do it one of two ways. So they've created it where you can actually create like a pod you can go in and you can say like, I want to ride with these people. And then you can join that ride. So you can just see your people or what Clarissa and I did was you can actually go in and you can filter based on like certain criteria. So you can say, I want to see everybody, or I only want to see the dashboard of the people that I'm following or are using this hashtag or so that way you're able to immediately like isolate the people you want to actually see. So instead of seeing like a thousand people on the leaderboard that you're racing against, it's just you and that one other person, or it's you and a couple friends. And they also give you badges for those things. So you get badges for doing rides with like two friends, three friends, four friends, five friends. So, so you get like, you get this, this ability to get rewarded for using community. And I ran cross country in high school. And one of the things I always loved that my coach was all about was if you pass somebody, whether they're a competitor or one of your peers at school, you're going to tell them like, good job. When you pass them, you're not going to be mean. You'd be like, good job. Keep going. And in Peloton, you're able to high five people. Wow. Either because they, they just did their 10th ride or they just did their hundredth ride, or you just want to say hi. And you just like tap their face Mm -hmm. and it high fives them. So you're able to constantly get this positive reinforcement. So like it's killing you, but it's just like dopamine, 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 which is really cool. And so you get, you could be dragging and like feeling exhausted, but now you have a friend. And so you're able to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to kill myself, but maybe I can stay on pace with her. So you're able to kind of get that lift and it's, it's really nice. And then you have the, you have the trainers who are constantly like high energy, positive, like they're dancing, they're they're doing a (laughs) lot of really cool stuff. Like they never look tired. Like, I don't know how, like they're bots. They never get tired and they don't sweat. They like glisten is the weirdest. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, like the pod people, the pod people are the trainers. Like, (laughs) Like they're superhuman, but it's fantastic. And they keep you, they keep you motivated. Yeah, you've got dopamine and endorphins. <laughs> I mean, we're all just high on life on a Peloton, yes, I guess. It's well, true, though. I mean, it makes me think about what we consider community. I mean, in mm-hmm. 2020 now, I mean, it's been all about, at least for me, digital friendships. I've never met either of you. I consider you mm-hmm. guys friends, or I would consider you part of my community. Do you guys think that our need for community and maybe acceptance um, and just connection with people. Do you think that digitally Peloton or just in general, that 
that we're able to fill that need or are we missing something by not being in person with other people? Yeah, I think you're, I think what we will find, so I, I have been thinking a lot about this. Um, I had to go for a project I'm working on. I had to do a tour of a live building that is uh, in the final stages of, of completion and driving into the building. I was like, Oh Jesus, I got to get my mask on. I got to get all this amped up for this. And I was thinking, God, I can't believe they're putting a building up right now. What the worst timing. Yeah. So I go in, there's a tour of, I don't know, a dozen people that we're all getting the tour together. And every person is just saying, oh, and that's going to be a bar and that's going to be a restaurant. I can't wait to come here. And I can, oh, could we live right? One of the guys, can I live right over there? Is, there, is that where they're going to put condos? Like for in my bubble, like in this room where I have at times slept, worked, lived <laughs> for a whole week on time when I've been in quarantine, it has seemed to me like we're never going to go back to normal. But it, and when I go out into the real world for two seconds, I realize the landslide that is going to come and how crazy it's going to be. Like, I'm so glad that I'm married so I can just hide from all of how nuts it's going to be because <laughs> um, it's going to be wild. Single people are going to be um, having fun. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be absurd. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for concerts. That's where I'm oh, gonna... I need concerts. Oh, yeah. Just food fighters all the time. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. I see it. I see it behind you. Yeah. And I don't know how, how soon everything's going to happen. Like, I don't know when I'll be able to go to a concert when I'll be up for that. But like Orange Theory, for example, Brianna, I think people are going to people are going to definitely want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. Probably what will happen is the people who have discovered at home fitness and, and have the solution. So, Christina, you got your Peloton and you love it. I have a feeling that's going to be one part of your workout. And then you'll find a social part as well mm-hmm. that delivers the part that you don't quite get with Peloton. So you get, it gets yeah. you 80% of the way there, but what's the 20%? Maybe it's a yoga class where you're really feeling the community aspect of it together, or maybe like a hit class where that, that kind of sound of people all hitting the floor at the same time um, mm-hmm. has a different energy to it than the, than the d- digital version. Yeah. It makes me think about soul cycle too. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what the future is for them. I'm not even sure if they've reopened, but yeah, maybe people will go back to Orange Theory because it gives them something different. But mm-hmm. all of these cycling chains, yeah, ugh, I'm concerned. Um, I think on. there's, I think there's also two prongs to that too. I think that 2020 has been like an embrace of introverts mm-hmm. because everyone's getting stuck at home and having to do this lifestyle, and all the introverts, myself included, are like, "This is what I do normally." Yeah. So we, we get to do Peloton, (laughs) we get to do Peloton and we get just enough of our, like, all right, that's my people quotient. Okay. I'm good. And then we get to go back on with our life. So we, we still get like enough of the social aspects. So we feel like, all right, I did my peopling for the day. And then we get to go back to our normal life, but like extroverts, I agree with you. There's a, there was a thing on TikTok that was floating around saying like, once this is all over, you going out. And the guy was like, no, it's going to be a zoo. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. The extroverts are going to lose their mind when they're able to like go out in full force. It's going to, yeah. no, I'm, I'm barricading for like a week. Like, just <laughs> let them get it all out of their system. And then I can like peek out my head. I don't think a week is going to do it. <laughs> Probably, not. <laughs> Probably not. Oh my God. I had the same thought though. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm married right now. I don't have to mm-hmm. think about like, I can't imagine what the apps are going through right now, the dating apps and everything. It's, oh it's hard if you're trying to meet people and actually foster a real romantic connection. I mean, there's a lot we could do virtually, but it's not really the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to read some numbers from Yahoo about Peloton's numbers this year. 
So they reported 158.4 million in net profits over the past two quarters. Wow. Total members on the on the platform have swelled to 3.6 million in the most recent quarter from 2 million for the three months uh, ending in December 31st, 2019. Peloton sees 3.9 billion in sales and 300 million in adjusted operating profits. Its prior fiscal year, mostly pre-pandemic, the company posted 1.83 billion in sales and 117 million in adjusted operating profits. So, I mean, they're like I said, I would consider them the brand of the year. They just we couldn't have predicted that this would happen and that at-home fitness would be what we would flock to. Yeah, I, I think know, the, you, I, you just had the aviation gym people on it. Maybe that might be the brand of the year. And they <laughs> they, they got famous for clowning the the Peloton. Peloton, yeah, mm-hmm, they did. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say the I think the only brand that won the pandemic versus Peloton would be Amazon. I think that's literally the only other brand yeah. that saw like such a surge. Mm-hmm. Or Lysol and all the Purell, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Clorox. Yeah, never saw this coming. Well, let's dive in a little bit more on how they're building community because yeah, we've had, we've had stationary bikes before and in, in mm-hmm. years and decades past, we've had classes like soul cycle or cycle bar, but they are really just leaning into community building. So yeah. Could you touch on more? I know you mentioned the high fives and some of the incentives. What else is so interactive and special from a community standpoint about the Peloton experience? The trainers themselves. The trainers are a cult within themselves. Everyone has their favorite trainer. Some of them have their favorite, like have their own hashtags. A lot of the trainers will also go on Instagram live, like soon after their call, like after their rides. So they get to talk and do like almost like AMA style with, with the people who are riding with them. So even though you're watching them at home and you're, you're on your bike, they are extremely good, especially on Instagram, other, other like Twitter, meh on Instagram. Definitely. Um, they're a lot more reactive and they very much, they, they are kind of like the, like if you were going to describe like the perfect ambassador for a brand it's the trainers, Mm -hmm. because if you reach out to a trainer versus the Peloton brand own channels, you're going to hear from the trainer first. Right. And then on Twitter, like I've done a lot of like mentions of Peloton on Twitter. I've never once gotten a like at anything. Mm. Trainers. Absolutely. So it's, it feels like the cultures, the culture and community are being created, but it's not necessarily from the own brand itself. It's from the people who work for the brand and then the people who are part of the community itself. So like there's Peloton moms, which is like a Facebook group. They have Instagram. They it's one of the more popular hashtags. I don't think a single person that's attached to Peloton is actually have anything to do with that. So a lot of the power of the Peloton community itself is the community rising up and taking ownership and saying, I want to be a part of this. I, I want to claim ownership of this piece based on like what my goals are or what I'm doing. And like Peloton moms, that's another thing that I really like too, that I, I think is going to be really, um, it's going to be really attractive to a lot of people is that when you go to a gym, it almost feels like there's that and there's a lot of marketing around it, like a no judgment zone or because, and there's this understanding that you might be overweight, but there's almost like, you shouldn't be at a gym. It's like, sweetie, that's how I'm going to get the pounds off. Like, (laughs) like, let's be logical here, like celebrate that journey. But online, especially within these groups, 
like they celebrate, like they could be a hundred pounds overweight. They lose 10 pounds. They put a picture up and everyone celebrates them. So it's this, this pause, almost like what we see with marketing Twitter, there's this positivity component where we all realize we're on this similar journey. Like we're all doing it for either we want to improve our health or we want to lose weight or we're just bored. Like there's a lot of times where you just ride. And that's the thing too, is there's also scenic rides that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Like you can ride through like the Swiss Alps or like in Paris and it it's done from a perspective, like a GoPro on a bike. So you actually get to ride and you could just listen to music, listen to classical, or just listen to what it, what it sounds like. And for someone who can't travel, who's a Sagittarius, I've done a lot of those rides. Like can't go to Paris. <laughs> I can't go anywhere in Europe. I can't leave. Like, right. and so that fits, that fits that, that need. So they do that. There's hashtags that you can follow that you can be a part of. And that's ingrained into the app, especially when you start, when you start racing or start writing, you're able to say like, these are the, the hashtags. You can choose like three. These are the hashtags that I want attached to my profile. So other people can find me. So other people can see what community I self-identify with. So it's the ingredients are all there for the community to come together. And I, I don't really see the brand itself, like on social, trying to create those connections. I feel like they just put the groundwork in and we're like, here, have fun, have me mm-hmm. make friends. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think there's, there's a whole marketing Twitter group on there, right? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I jealous. think it's so funny that you just referred to marketing Twitter as a positive place because it is, it is a positive is. place. With because the the marketing Twitter hashtag that you guys are in is so positive, I'm because of her. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I. That's why I started smiling because I'm like, oh my god, she's sunshine and rainbows. When I when I joined Twitter, to be my dark side is like, whoo, child. No, you need me positive. You need me positive. The first the first go around of marketing Twitter in the 2000 you know, pre 2010 was the opposite. It was like doom and gloom emo time. Like marketing is is. terrible in the end of the world. That's what uh, strategy Twitter is now. And you know, I'm right. <laughs> well, I love them. I love them. But like everyone is picking fights and I'm just like, I'm going to go back to marketing Twitter. Yeah. Where everything's nice. Tell happy it's high fives and hugs. And I'm like, yeah. yes, more. We love emojis. each other. Yeah. Yes. One big virtual hug. Yeah. So I apologize for pulling us off. Course. <laughs> no, I had, but, you're but, all I good. Had a, but I had a question about, um, what you said about trainers, because I wonder if the, the, the trainers, the idea of using the trainers as celebrities was what Peloton borrowed from SoulCycle, SoulCycle. Mm-hmm. borrowed in quotes. When the pandemic is over and people have more mobility and more flexibility, do you think those trainers are going to stay at Peloton? Like I'm assuming they have one year contracts or some kind of mm-hmm. limitation. If your favorite trainer left, Mm-hmm. Does that matter? Yes. Would you le- would you g- trade it in for a Nordic track? Like honestly, what's what are you? Would it just take you time to find a new trainer that you liked as much, or would you would that make if over time you lost two or three that you liked, mm-hmm. would that start to erode the way you feel about the brand itself and the, the experience of riding? I yes. If, if it's one or two, because there's a really great selection of them, so it's not really like there's only one that's good. They're actually all quite good. Um, the one that I like the most is Aditi. She doesn't even do the running. She does the meditation and she does some yoga. Uh She's my favorite. I love Aditi. Love her. Um, if I, and this is kind of like with business in general, if you see a lot of people leaving, 
it's usually a red flag. So my brain isn't going to think, oh, I need to go somewhere else. My thing is going to be what's happening internally that we're seeing in Exodus, especially of like the quality content and like the quality people. I think as long as Peloton is doing well, it's mutually beneficial for them to stay because they get to be a part, they get to be attached to a brand where there's ownership. They are clearly recognizable as a core piece of like what makes that work. And then they also have their own army. Like that's the beautiful thing about community. I've had people talk to me about like, how do you build a community? And I was like, what you're asking for is you want to build an army. You just don't want to call it that. Mm-hmm. but that's what you're building. So each trainer has like their own army. There's ones that have like their own hashtags, like you do you boo or XOXO. Like there's, there's these different things and it's, and that's also why like they have merch, like there's specific merch that like they wear and like different colors. Like each of them is like a branding product. Like every single trainer is a branding product. And it also mm-hmm. is why you're going to prefer certain trainers over another. Like I'm a rock person. Like I love rock. But when I ride, it's pop, like always, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it keeps me going. Like there's a Metallica ride that's going to kill me. Like I'm, I want to, <laughs> I want to ride it, but I also don't want to die. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. So like, I'll do the Beatles ride or I'll do the Britney ride, which is excellent. Yes. Um, or <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like it's a, it's a Monday. Like if there's a, if, if you get the bike and it's a Monday and you're just like, I need to work out, but I have no like joy in my soul. You do the Brittany ride. It's, it's medicine. Fun. It's like Monday medicine. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but you get attached to, and there's also like certain music that makes sense for mm-hmm. certain riders. So like, so it's the little things. So for instance, the, the trainer that did the Beatles ride, I did the 30 minute, I still have to do the 45 minute, but the 30 minute ride, it was a girl from London. So it's, it's an English accent. That's like walking you through the thing. And my first thought was, I'm so glad they made that choice. Yeah. And I didn't realize if it was just, she was a fan cause she clearly was, or if it's cause like, we need to pair a British person with this ride, but either way, like, I was like, I hope that was a choice. Cause yeah. I really like that choice. Yeah. That's it's such an interesting comparison for me to think about, because with Orange Theory, yes, people definitely would show up for that specific coach, as we call them, versus um, versus trainers. But if one of them left, the members would be upset because they adored them. But it was still on a very local scale to where it wasn't a problem. But with Peloton, these people are on a global scale, you know, so if one of them leaves, it's felt all over the world. So I don't know. I just think, yeah, that's a bigger incentive for them to keep their, keep their trainers happy. But I also wonder like what kind of like do not compete kind of clauses mm-hmm. there are. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised if like you can leave, but you can't go so cycle right. or you can leave, but you can't go to another cycle business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them also do other things. Yeah. So like Aditi again, like I'm not picking on her. I love her. But she also has like, she's a yoga instructor. And so she does like all these things that she's renowned for. So like Peloton is a core piece of how she's known, but it's not her only, like, it's not the only thing she does. So I I think that there, I'm sure that there is a way for them to say like, this is what you can do and not do once you leave. But I, they continue to grow and, and really kind of ingrain, ingrain themselves in the brand itself. And so if they do leave, like, I don't think it's going to be one of those where, like you leave, 
I think it's going to be where anyone gets disappointed. You just slowly use it less and less mm-hmm. and less. And then it becomes this hamper for all the clothes. That's what just... I, <laughs> that's my experience with exercise bikes. Is... Yeah. yeah. Everything and... just, it just hangs on the handlebars. It's yeah. It's a coat hanger after that. Yeah. Right. Weird, right. It's a weird place to put things. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I just want to talk also about relatability because you mentioned that these instructors, they, they don't sweat, they sparkle, they always look perfect. Do you, like, is that a disadvantage? Do you feel like their audience still relates to them then? Or is there something they do in particular that helps bridge that gap and create that relatability? I don't think that it's about... I, I get that relatability is awesome and needed. And I, but I find that that's where the community is from. Mm. So the trainers, and this is, could be wrong, but this is my experience. If I'm really honest, the trainers are like the cool girl or the cool boy at the table in high school. And you afraid they're going to be an asshole to you. And then you <laughs> get there and they're so nice and they're funny and they're yes. welcoming and they make you feel comfortable. That's what it is. It's like head cheerleader energy, but like in the best possible way, <laughs> like they're not mean girls. Like it's, you're just getting there and you're like, Oh, I can't be upset. You're so nice. And you're so happy and upbeat and you're dancing. And I wish I had energy for that. And so that's what it feels like. It's, it, it, it isn't a relatability factor. And it also isn't aspirational. Like if you are, and maybe it is for some people, I'm never going to be in good enough shape that I would look even remotely like any of these trainers. So it's not relatable or aspirational for me, but it definitely feels like the coolest person in the room wants you there and mm-hmm. is nice to you. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Incredible. I, I can see that. <laughs> I was like, wow. I'm going to order one. I know. <laughs> and it's so personal because they're cheering you on. They're helping you just get through your day. Like it's a really powerful relationship. But it also like there's, there's guidelines. So they, there's a lot of times where they'll talk about how, like there was a couple, and there's also like really short classes. So I did a 10 minute class when I just started because I was like, I don't want to die and I don't know what to expect. So I did a 10 minute class and one of, and the trainer was basically saying like, this doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to beat your, like, you don't have to have the best score on the leaderboard. This is just 10 minutes that you can zone in and focus on yourself. And as a mom who has a full-time job, who has freelance clients, who has children, who has a husband who's getting an MBA, I was like, yes, I only have 10 minutes for myself. I was like, I felt like that was talking to me. Right. It, it never, like they never preach perfection Mm. ever. It's always about bringing what you can. Mm -hmm. And if that means like you're using it to like, to get in better shape or you're using it to like give yourself a distraction or just make the day better. Like it's completely different, but they, but they find moments to make it feel special. Right. Right. That's what we're looking for. And that's what builds that connection. So Adam, what do you think other brands who obviously aren't Peloton can really take from how, how they've done this, how they've, they've built this really strong relationship with their audience? Well, I think Christina's point that they uh, have head cheerleader energy, you know, yeah. more, more cheerleaders <laughs> is always good. Um, <laughs> well, what I was just thinking while, while that whole last section, while Christina was describing that, was that what they've been very clever about is figuring out how to build the habit of regular recurring use. Mm. And that's what I think other brands, like that's what Netflix has over 23 years, it's taken them to do it. But Netflix is 
what it is because we all come home and we turn it on and we don't know what we're going to watch, but we've already committed to this device firing up our Netflix, right? Or, or the yeah. app itself. So Peloton seems to have figured out that by offering rides of all these different durations and now workouts of all different shapes and sizes and being clear about, oh, okay, they don't just want to look like the person at the head of the class. They want these other outputs. So figuring out ways that, oh, okay, I only have 10 minutes. I can still ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't really want to kill myself today. Okay, we have an easy ride. Oh, I, I actually want to see video of, of uh, the Louvre going past while I'm, okay, they have that. So they figured out how to create these habits and create ways for me to engage that are, that are not just that one single ritual. I'm a runner. I don't, I don't uh, bike. Mm-hmm. And so it can be very ritualistic at times. If I can't run the path that I always run, that the, the route that I run, I'm like, I don't know if I feel like running. Because right. that's that's part of it, like the the headphones and the podcast I'm going to listen to, and the or the the album I need to hear. If I can't hear that, if like my phone's dead, I'm like, well, I can't run because I can't pull up Strava and I can't pull up Queens of the Stone Age. Like it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so um, they've been really smart about that. So I, that's something brands need to be thinking about is giving people a lot of ways in, and that's both from new customers to I to discover the brand, which is probably one of their biggest challenges, is it's a, a very expensive piece of hardware. So the app is clearly aimed at letting people try it from whatever hardware they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but how else do you let people see that energy if they're not already a part of it? You know, that's, that's the hard part, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really just incorporating it into your day to the point where you can't, mm-hmm. you don't know your day without it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the philosophy at Orange Theory. The, um, president of the company used to say that he wanted Orange Theory to be like your Starbucks in the morning. Like you just, you need it. That's what you need to get on track for the day. And that's how you're going to determine your, your mood and your energy overall. And even, even Starbucks took a long time to get to the point where they had so many different things that you could always go there in the afternoon and reliably find something good versus just that one regular drink. They figured Mm -hmm. out, Oh, if they, if we only get them to have their one favorite drink, then they're only going to come this one time a week. But if I show them this crazy menu, that's always changing, they'll come in four five, six, seven times a day. Like Adam does. Cause he's addicted to caffeine and, <laughs> and take it in whatever format we got. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a cake pop at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's how they get me to come back. Always. <laughs> so we haven't even touched on what I think is part of their brilliance. And I think you all would agree is just their pop culture incorporation Mm -hmm. and how they've leveraged the power of fandoms from various things like Hamilton to, you know, boomers and their love of the Beatles or really just spanning generations, but they've been able to appeal to pretty much everyone by tapping into our musical Mm -hmm. tastes. I know they've touched on They've had some Hamilton rides. I don't know if those are seasonal, if they still have those. It's really good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, what have been just some of your favorite uses of of pop culture and how they're really executing this? And what do you guys think is so um, just smart and strategic about it? It creates an experience. It's very hard to do experience marketing when we're all stuck at home. And Peloton has these spotlight series or artist series. And so you're able to take something that, because here's the thing, you could love trendy music and all you listen to is trendy music, but it still feels like those are my bands, you know? Yeah. 
So if you like, I've done the Beyonce ride, the Prince ride, like you have the Hamilton ride, Brittany. Now you have the Beatles. I've done all of them. Um, there's an Elvis ride and I'm probably going to get kicked out for this. I'm not a big Elvis fan. So I haven't done it yet. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. Um, but it creates that experience because you could like, you could easily just bring up your phone and have your headphones in and listen to whatever music you wanted to. And you could do that for like the, the main rides. You could do it for like the scenic rides. You could do it for whatever you want. They even have it where you can just ride aimlessly. Like there's a couple of times where I'll just put on pride and prejudice and just ride. Yeah. Or if you're doing work, like there are desktops that you can put on your Peloton. So you can just have it set up like that. And then you just work and ride and it, it keeps track of everything, but you don't have that constant, like you don't have a trainer or a video or anything like that's constantly plugging away. So you're able to kind of like zone out on whatever you wanted to do instead. But it's really hard. Like we don't have concerts where we get to listen to one artist for three hours long. Right. But I can do a Beatles ride for 30 minutes. And if that's not enough, if I want more, I can do a 45 minute Beatles ride. And during that, it's also not just the music. You, you get to feed off of the energy of the trainer. They're usually a fan. They also tend to do like history and they'll like share tips and like stories about what happened or like this was like a number one during this time period. And like, no one else has been number one that for that long. So you get a little bit of history, you get their excitement, you get them dancing to it. So like the girl who did um, the Beatles ride, she's wearing yellow leggings and it ends with yellow submarine. And she's just glowing when she's like, everyone figured it out. Like why she was wearing yellow, just really sweet. And so you, you get to feel like you're part of something. And just like all of us, when Hamilton, I guess I speak for all of us. Um, when we all got Disney plus and we're starting to watch it for Hamilton and we're all like collectively watching Hamilton at the same time, a lot of us started collectively riding the Hamilton ride. Yeah. It was just like going into that next piece. And there's very few ways to create that right now. Like we can't, I mean, you could go to the movie theaters and watch wonder woman, but it's not safe. And why would you, um, but we don't have that. Like we don't have the, everyone gets to watch Endgame at the same time and experience that. We don't get to go to concerts and experience that those like the music's great, but they've picked, they picked bands that have a clear, like hardcore fan base. So they have like their own micro community. We know this micro community is going to do the Beatles, right? We know this micro community is going to do Hamilton. So they know there's buy-in, like there's automatic guarantee of return. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about the, uh, the Super Bowl and, mm -hmm the change in the, the approach to the Super Bowl halftime where yeah. 20 years ago, like, well, we'll just get Bon Jovi. That'll be, everybody knows that. Everybody will be singing. All the, the people with the money will watch and go to the stadium and be thrilled. Everybody wins. And over the past three, four, five years, it's been like, um, imagine dragons plus um, this rapper that you've not heard of. Plus, the, you know, like they have to cluge together more and more pieces to make yes. it enough to be the Super Bowl level. Yeah, that's where when I was reading about the Elvis remixes that Peloton is putting together themselves, mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking, okay, they've they've hit the area where the Venn diagram between their target audience and musicians that have scale, they've hit the end of it. They're, they're out of ideas there. So that my guess is what they'll do is they'll go get DJs or creators, and they'll pair them up now either for the second pass at the Beatles yeah. and Beyonce or, um, 
you know, figuring out, okay, what's the next type of artist that we can smash in there to tip? I want to Rihanna ride. Oh. <laughs> well, I want to Rihanna ride so bad. And I need to know why there isn't one. I have a that's feeling the has, next one. I have a feeling it has something to do with um, dollars. Mm. You're probably right. <laughs> that's <laughs> but usually got, a factor. But if they got Beyonce, like if you have Beyonce money, you can find Rihanna money. Like, yeah. like well, I, you know what? It might be an interesting. <laughs> it might be an interesting thing to know. Well, number one, it's like quarterbacks, right? If if uh, or starting pitchers. If yeah. somebody signs the biggest contract of all time, the next person whose contract is up has to have a dollar more. Yeah. So I wonder if Rihanna is the same way, and I don't. I don't actually know. Believe it or not, I don't know those two ladies. Um, but, but they, but maybe Rihanna's going to hold out so that her deal is a bigger deal, or she has more creative control, or it's some other version of it, so that it makes it more about her brand. I know. Maybe they should have built up to Beyonce. It's like they already got the queen. Like, what? What do you it's do now? Yeah, no. probably where the king Elvis came in, and they were like, "Well, yeah. <laughs> guess right. we have to go backwards now. We've reached the pinnacle <laughs> yeah. with Beyonce money." Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, I just imagine them having like all these TikTok rides where it's like, cause you have Spotify who's like viral hits. And then you look at it and it's like, sweetie, these are all TikTok songs. <laughs> right. Right. Viral well, I, means TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I think to that end, we'll see a renewed interest or like a, a generational um, interest in some of these other artists. You know, we saw it with, with Fleetwood Mac this year with dreams, you know, Gen Z wanted to know what the song was about because of TikTok. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think we we know our way around Elvis music and the Beatles, yeah. but we might not put it on the top of our playlist. But maybe if if we're exposed to it because of Peloton, mm-hmm. you know, we might be more likely to listen to it elsewhere. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that is all going to play out. Well, what's interesting, too, to piggyback off of that is that you can connect your Spotify so that it'll create a playlist of the song. So if you like when a song comes on, it'll show up on the left of your screen. And if you heart it, then it automatically gets added to your Spotify Peloton ride list. That's smart. So it immediately, you immediately get a playlist of like all the songs that you love to ride to. Yeah. I'm going to need your referral code after this. (laughs) (laughs) You're really selling me on this. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, don't be sorry. Just, just, I'm not going to have a couch anymore. That's, that's the thing that's going to go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is just how they didn't stop at music, right? I mean, you mentioned they've done some things with Netflix. I know there was a a ride about the last dance documentary that came Mm -hmm. out earlier this year. So what do you think is the strategy behind that? Or or what do you like about that? That they just, they've expanded to just pop culture in general. It's not just music. I'm very confused by, about the last dance. What happened? They oh. made a ride that is based on a documentary about Michael Jordan? Yes. Or was it just a time, like everybody ride and watch this hour-long thing together every week, two hours? I know that it was just called The Last Dance Ride. I saw one of the um, one of the, fo- the instructors was promoting it, and like as he was riding, I think he was wearing a Jordan jersey. I don't know when. Maybe it was on the day of the finale or what, but I do remember seeing it on, on Instagram. Crazy. I, d- I didn't do it, so I, I can't speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hardcore Bulls fan. Oh, no. Gotcha. Um, I think it has a lot to do with integration. Like what Adam was saying earlier with the with the bad Peloton ad, you're, that top of mind mm-hmm. is really great. And so 
what Peloton is doing when they're integrating with your favorite musical artists and they're integrating with maybe like a movie that you like or a show, like for example, they do Christmas rides. There was a Halloween ride that Kendall did that killed me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of lets you know, it's that that's where I think the relatability comes from. Like we know you're watching Netflix. We know you're watching Halloween movies right now. We know you're watching Christmas movies. We know you're doing this and that. Um, And just planting seeds mm-hmm. where everything else is so that the next time you're thinking about Netflix or you're thinking about a movie or you're thinking about this, then just that little, that little seed in the back of your mind. that's like, I remember Peloton talking about this. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really powerful, but also like integrating pop culture in a different way. So like the Beatles are known for kind of doing something around the holidays. A lot of their bigger, like, um, like announcements happen around the holidays. So by aligning themselves with that ride at that time, they put themselves into like the cultural, like landscape of Beatles announcements. So it it wasn't so much that like Peloton is a part of, as a part that the Beatles are part of Peloton. It's Peloton is a part of the Beatles that carries the clout. That's weight. Yeah. And so I, I think, I think that's, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm excited for the future to see like where they integrate. What I would love for them to do is I'd love for them to find like the TikTok artists who've been discovered this year, the ones who have musical, like anything because of TikTok, I would love for them to go there. And so they have like, like rising star series and like these are the people they think are going to be like big artists in the future. And then you have a community that's going to rally around them, create more fans for them. And they've already proven whether or not they're popular enough by what they've put on TikTok. I mean, if I was Peloton, I would be looking at TikTok for like, who do we, who do we poach musically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And I also wonder using TikTok or YouTube, how do they get more people to have visibility of what the workout looks like on the bike? Like show me, show me the bike, show me someone using the bike and don't just show me the content on the screen because um, even the, the experience of having the bike set up for you and having your shoes fit and have, have that whole process that happens, if that's opaque, then people don't understand how special it is. And I, me as a non-user, when that was being explained to me for the first time, I was like, what on earth are you talking? They came to your house and they did what? Yeah. It's, it's it amazing. feels it feels like a concierge service. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I don't even know what what you're talking about. They... Oh, don't tell her it's secret. No, <laughs> <laughs> so they now I, they had a lot of deliveries coming out. So I didn't get like the branded van, but usually most people get like a branded Peloton black van with white striping with the logo is what comes to your house. They ask you if you have like a set place for it. It's like ninety nine percent assembled. They will take it into that room for you. They hand assemble the rest of it. Make sure the screen is right. Make sure it's on. Make sure it's ready to go. Make sure you're logged in. Like it's, it's, it's concierge. Like it, it really is. It feels special. If that makes sense. I had no idea. That and really is small, just taking so, the friction out. Yeah. Yeah. It takes the friction out and it saves your first experience from being a frustrating turn of a warped allen key where you can't get yeah. straight the thing and you're cursing and then you're like i just need a 20 minute break i'm gonna drink seven beers and then i'll ride this thing. <laughs> right 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 through this <laughs> Never, thing that's it yeah and then it's, there it is again it becomes a shelf even sooner but it but it feels it feels like white glove 
And, and a lot of the people who have issues with it, they talk about like the pricing, like there was a thread on Twitter the other day about like, I don't understand all these people getting Pelotons and da, 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 da. But when you have that happen, it's a value add. So yeah, you know how much you paid for it, but you're constantly thinking about what that looks like. Also, what's really cool, what's very, very cool. They released an updated bike. I want to say like, um, like in between when I bought it and when it was delivered, they automatically wrote me and said, we've, we've rebated. We, t- we gave you back the difference between the old price that you paid and the new price. No way. Wow. Like automatically didn't have to ask for it. Nothing. It was just automatically in my email. This was credited to you. And that's, that's cool. how you retain people. You know, that's how it's yeah. not going to be a fad. If you have touch points like that, where mm-hmm. you're just, it's so personal with your customers. Yeah, that's. Well, it was like $400. I mean, imagine the brands that you've talked to that you couldn't get $20 back from. Right, right. That you had to fight. And then they're just like, here's the email. We know that this changed in the process. We just went ahead and credit it to you. And I was just like, wow, okay, <laughs> that's well done. Yeah. So Adam, what's what's the lesson there about this concierge service and just how Peloton does business? Well, make, other- the ex- make the experience extremely enjoyable um, at every point. Now, I don't know what ordering the thing itself is like, but to have that, ex- have, yeah, to have that set up, I mean, even Amazon, who, do, who goes out of their way to, to take any friction out, mm-hmm. there's still a point where they hand off the product and some person delivers it out of the back of a, you know, an old Nissan and drops it off <laughs> crooked on your porch. And it's like, that is not Jeff Bezos' fault, but this, the box is bashed in and now I got to open it and it's some third party seller. And like, they controlled every part of it they could and it's still a little flawed and my $1.39 thing is the block bags. I'm like real mad at Amazon for 10 minutes for nothing that they did wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not a true story. I made that up. (laughs) Um, I know it was weirdly, it was weirdly specific. Um, But what, 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 what Peloton did, right. What, what they are doing right is they're figuring out like if they probably, if they needed to have someone camp out for the first week and be your coach in your house, if you were okay with that, it seems like Peloton would be like, that's probably worth it. If we can help them create the habit and really learn to ride the thing and fix anything that breaks, they're just going even further than anybody's really gone before to, to come and set it up and make sure the the clips work. I mean, how much more can they do? Um, I don't think any brands are willing and able to go as far as Peloton's going to, to prove the experience is what you paid for. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Right. Yeah. And I think they have a special opportunity. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I think I heard at one point they were opening um, their own cycle studios where you can go in person. I haven't heard mm-hmm. about that um, recently, but I feel like because it it's a product that's in all of our homes, mm-hmm. it allows them to maintain that standard of consistency and service. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, with a franchise brand like Orange Theory, you're really just any brand where there's multiple locations and mm-hmm. there's people all over the country, all over the world that are, that now have your logo and your brand mm-hmm. in their hands, it, it can get a little off the rails to, to maintain that level of quality that you expect. So mm-hmm. since it, I mean, I don't know the details exactly, but since it probably does all stem from their corporate office, they're able to, to establish these standards and deliver on them. Yeah, I think of it, it's kind of like Disney though. You know, they have the content piece, they have the home device, which I would replace toys. 
And then if they are able to build a destination and they probably handpick their cities, I think we could all name them, right? They do New York, LA, San Francisco, Austin, Chicago to start, um, London, you then have a really powerful brand tool that has aspiration in the home, but also destinations where you go and you're participating in a ride with your favorite trainer. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a video that's captured and you can actually relive that ride on your Peloton at home. So that's pretty a valuable part of the brand experience. Yeah. I also think that the demand is only growing. And so the, the bigger that consumer army is, the more their demands are going to create more opportunities. So for example, I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago, I saw a tweet where someone had said, I wish the Airbnb had like for the, for the things that are included in the home or the, or whatever the thing is that a Peloton, could be one of the things. So just like you'd say, I want a pole or I want a jacuzzi. I can, I can say like, I only want to look at the homes that have a Peloton. And so there's a big Peloton army that is eventually going to get to travel again, but they're still going to want to be able to ride. If, if there's enough demand there and then that becomes a thing, then, then it becomes a competitive advantage. If you want to be, if you want to have a popular place on Airbnb, now you need an air, now you need to get a Peloton for the people who are going to be renting at your place. So the, the more demand there is, the more opportunities for growth outside of like the norm are going to be just like hotels. Mm -hmm. Is there a Peloton in your hotel gym? Right. If you go to the Y, is there a Peloton? Like having those opportunities there, it's, it's going to open up a lot, but the demand has to be there. But in my opinion, like the numbers are there. It's just whether or not they realize they can, they can make those demands. That's such a good point because I feel like when you're on the fence about traveling and you're trying to decide, okay, do I just book an Airbnb or do I book a hotel? The factor, the deciding factor for a lot of people is the gym. You know, they want to go to a hotel that has a gym and that's why potentially people might not choose to go to an Airbnb because there's nowhere to work out unless you go out for a run or whatnot. But yeah, that would be a really, really smart partnership if they had like a little checkbox mm -hmm. where you can add it to the amenities. Interesting. All these free ideas you're throwing out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I want to ask both of you, you guys know, I love pop culture in general. Um, what, what do you think are the advantages of incorporating pop culture into your brand? Um, for a brand like Peloton with music and everything, it probably is a little bit easier for them to incorporate pop culture, but what should other brands keep in mind about pop culture when trying to establish relationships with their audience? I, I think you, we say it's easier for Peloton because logically there's a place for music in it and there's part in, in um, soul cycle and, and uh, riding culture. Music mm -hmm. has always been a part of it, but they've been really clever about, which artists they choose and which which parts of pop culture they take and which parts they reject. Um, so they they deserve credit for that. Uh, and I, that's the part, the curation of it is where a lot of brands mess up, where they, they make bad choices because they think, as great as uh, Beyonce is, her brand is not for everybody. Her, there are people who are super into that and want it. And there are other brands where it just would not make sense. Like, I don't know if it would make sense for uh, Colgate to have a Beyonce flavor. Oh, come on, Queen Bee flavor, be honey, It'd be amazing. Um, like, there are some brands that that um, tread really 
clumsily into pop culture and they just want the borrowed interest of it. They want the attention of it. What Peloton does really well, and the Elvis example is a good example. I don't think Elvis really makes a hell of a lot of sense, but to take it and say, no, we're going to have DJs remix it and we're going to, it's going to be our own thing. And it's actually not even launching something that's a partnership with Elvis. It's launching our, this new thing that we're going to do. That's a really smart way in to say, we're going to do it. Everything we're going to do is going to be top shelf, which they just keep on proving. Um, so I don't know if all brands are able to have that discipline and restraint to make those kinds of choices, make that kind of curation and say no to opportunities where you just see a lot of TV ads with like a Rolling Stone song. And you're like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is 2020, baby. What are we, what, what, what's happening? Why are you using that song? Um, and I, I think the, um, I think brands just have to be smarter about who they, who they say yes and who they say no to at a, in a given opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever is old is new again. I feel like everything is a remix, especially this year. And I've, I've thought a lot about partnerships and how they're supposed to make sense. And then I think about this Lady Gaga Oreo thing that's, mm-hmm. that's happening. It's like, maybe it makes sense when it doesn't make sense. You oh, know? it totally does. Post Malone is selling Crocs and they're sold out. Right, right. <laughs> if that's not a sign that the apocalypse is here, I don't know. Like you'd have to put a gun to my head to put me in Crocs. I'm sorry. But that's, but see, like that is almost, um, that's Post Malone curating Crocs. Nobody at Crocs had that idea. I guarantee you that yeah. was Post Malone saying like, or some one of his people was like, you should sell them, you wear these, see if you could sell them. But I think, I think also though 2020, and I don't think enough brands did this, but 2020 is the ultimate year to experiment Yeah. because no matter how bad it fails, it will never fail as badly as any other breaking news story that's going to hit that day. Yeah. Like it, it can't. So you have like the Lady Gaga Oreos, you have the Post Malone Crocs, you have the Travis Scott burger, and they all do Bentley well, because compared to reality, it's Wonderland. <laughs> It's fantastical. It's what's not to like about Oreos and Big Macs. I mean, the yeah. crocs aside, but yeah, but it's 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 like it's like celebrity escapism at its finest. Because it's like, thank you for reminding me of something glorious and hilarious and nonsensical. Because yeah. everything else I see online is doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that more brands have been more experimental. Because I I really think that like that was the thing. There was a couple logo rebrands this year too. And I feel like I, I didn't, I didn't like them. Yeah. But I was like, I'm okay with you doing it this year because this is the year where you're not going to get as much flack as you would any other year where like it was normal. Yeah. Get a free pass. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things from this year was the Airbnb blockbuster thing. Like, oh, like so the, good. it's just escapism. It's nostalgia. It's just, yeah. That was so well done. I was a <laughs> big fan of that. I know the way they just brought their Twitter back for the day. And then it's like, okay. it was cute. It was very well done. I was like, <laughs> I, I applaud this. Yes. Um, Christina, did you have anything to add? I know we've talked a lot about pop culture, but just again, how maybe other brands could tap into pop culture or what they can take away from what Peloton is doing. I think they need to be very clear about what they want and what their expectations are. Um, and understand that what's working this year isn't going to work, isn't necessarily going to work next year. There's, there's really no way of knowing once we're kind of out of our homes and living our lives again, is TikTok still going to be as big? Are we going to care about Charlie? Like I'm actually going to, I'm not going to watch because I can't, because my brain cells need to stay where they are, but 
the Charlie reality show with her family. It's like we got rid of the Kardashians and then she just rolled up like, no, you didn't get off that easily. And so I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder if she's going to be the next Kardashian or if, if next year the va- everyone gets the vaccine, we all get to go outside of our homes and do stuff again. And we, we spend like half as much time on TikTok as we, as we have been this year. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like for Gen Z, it's kind of like not all that they've ever known, but almost all that they've ever known, you know, that's always been their normal. So I wonder if they'll have that same, uh, if they'll crave this interaction the way that we might as millennials and other generations. Absolutely. I also want to hear what you guys, we, we touched on this a little bit about how the trainers and instructors at Peloton are now kind of being known as celebrities and I know with SoulCycle, some of their instructors, like you would see people like asking them for an autograph. How would each of you describe the difference between a celebrity and an influencer? Because I feel like those lines are very blurred. An influencer thinks they're a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple. Yeah. Celebrities, <laughs> actually true celebrities avoid attention. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's simple enough. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think about that more often than I'd like. But I, when I look at um, where we are now and there's no real TMZ anymore and there's no, you know, nobody's out to, to paparazzi, those poor bastards. Yeah. Um, I've been wondering how much the, I think about it like people all falling off a cliff. <laughs> and I think the people like the D and C level people are turning to cameo and things like that to just yes. try to stay relevant and stay in front of people and get some attention and get some spotlight. Um, it's pretty sad. And it's revealing that influencers and not your top level influencers, but kind of the meat and potatoes group is not that much different mm-hmm. than that, you know, CDB level of celebrities. Yeah. Agree. I mean, a TV star that hasn't, that is not a movie star, um, bachelor, I know you guys, I know Brianne's Bachelor fan yeah. um, as, as my <laughs> wife. Um, like people who are on The Bachelor are a unique category of celebrity, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They are influencers. And every channel that they're on, they're selling things or doing all influencer things. Is there a difference? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think yeah. there's like a few A-list movie stars and a few A-list musicians and everybody else is in a weird uh, middle, middle area, yeah. But what's, but what's interesting too, though, is that the influencers want to be celebrities, but the influencers are actually in a better spot, in my opinion, than celebrities, because celebrities this year have really dropped down. You've had like the Ellen DeGeneres backlash. You've had, there's, there's no real reason to go to the movie theater. So even though we're excited about something, we can't be as excited as we were before. I mean, like Wonder Woman came out and even if like, like I haven't seen it yet. I can only tell you that everyone I I know that I, whose opinion I listen to has told me it's garbage. Um, but even if it was garbage and we could all go to the movie theater, there'd be 10 times more sentiment. There's be so much yeah. more buzz. There'd be yeah. so much more conversations about it. So we've kind of like w- walked away where like TV is winning and it's streaming TV is winning. So if it's not on Disney plus or it's not on um, or it's not on Netflix, then does it really exist for us? Do we really care? And, and then also 
it's very interesting. What I'm very hopeful is that all of the new content that we're seeing on TikTok, where you're seeing like transitions and you're seeing storytelling and you're seeing all this really, really cool, innovative content and storytelling, the, the executives who keep saying we need sequels and reboots, I hope they're sweating. Yeah. I hope they're sweating because we've had decades of that nonsense. Yeah. And then you go to TikTok for free and I can hear new stories and see all these new concepts. And then some of them even go to YouTube then they're like, here's a series of things. Like there was a girl who was doing a pitch for a, for a, um, like a story. And so she had this like episodic thing and it was brilliant and it was well paced and it was brilliant. And then she goes to YouTube and then just strings the whole thing together. So you get to see it. It's brilliant. But it's like, that's where the, between the pandemic and TikTok, what we're seeing is the new generation of storytellers are coming up. And when you compare it with like the tired rehash that we've been given through from Hollywood, it's refreshing. It's like, yeah. there are new stories I haven't heard. There, there are new things to, to discover. That's and a distinction awesome. too, between the celebrities and the influencers as the, the influencers who are actually creating their own thing. And this is true of celebrities too, the, the people who are making their films and creating their own music and in control of it yeah. are more relevant now. 100%. And, and the, the ones who are reliant on a studio to tell them what to do next have been invisible since March. Yeah. Um, you even sure. think about Wonder Woman. They, they rush that yeah. out. They get it out for Christmas. The last time you heard from Wonder Woman was that terrible cover of Imagine, which was like an embarrassment. It was worse oh, than yeah. the Peloton wife spot. Yeah. yeah. When left to their own devices, they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Yeah. Uh, just grab a Beatles song. Well, I'll just look into <laughs> our phones. It'll be great. Everybody will love it. We're famous. He's like, no. That's not how it is. Buddy. We're not buying this. I <laughs> saw um, an article the other day that was talking about um, or was asking, are sitcoms dead? You know, and I think about it like TikTok replaces TV for me a lot of times. Like if I open TikTok, I'm prepared to be there for an, at least an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Which scared to admit, but it's it's so addictive and it's so entertaining. I'm much more entertained watching that than, you know, a sitcom rerun I've already seen. But I it's true that I'm not really seeing a lot of new sitcoms coming out. And I think TikTok is just really appealing to what we expect with storytelling. Now it's shorter, it's punchier, it gets to the point and it doesn't waste any time. It's it's an interesting shift. Yeah. And I think it's the, it's the ultimate, like we used to, we used to all complain about like going through all the channels and not having anything to watch. And it's literally the exact opposite of what we're doing on TikTok. There's a new channel, every swipe, but it feels like I said this a couple of weeks ago, it's like on every other channel, like social, like Facebook, Twitter, whatever, it's all doom scrolling. But on TikTok, once it gets, once it gets you and it kind of knows what niches you like, the algorithm's really great. That it's like serendipity scrolling. And it's like, what goodness is going to yeah. come with my next scroll? And, and actually an hour on TikTok is it's that's light. Yeah, that's, that's light. <laughs> at least, at least an hour. Scary. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, you're not skipping through the channels. Like, you know, I don't really watch. I don't know the sci-fi channel. So why mm-hmm. am I paying for cable if I'm only going to watch these certain networks that I'm interested in? And TikTok with the algorithm, it's just cracked the cracked the code to make every minute personalized for you. It's Absolutely. Wild. Wild. Um. So I would like to wrap up just getting your predictions on what you, what you think is next for Peloton. What, what's in store for them for 2021? Are they going to continue on this upward climb? Maybe you have some uh, music partnerships besides Rihanna or other ones that you guys 
wish or maybe Adam, I'd love to hear, is there a certain artist or a collaboration that would get you to to become a Peloton rider? <laughs> I'm curious. No, I think I, I think I'm probably not the I'm not in the uh, the customer target here for these. <laughs> I'm just I just don't ride bikes. I don't do yeah. uh, I don't do it. So it doesn't appeal to me. Um, but I wonder if I look at 2021 and I look at their business, it might not be 2021, but it might be in 2022 where they'll have to really start reconciling with people who are decide opting out of paying that continuing contract. Mm -hmm. um, when people can go back, there will be a number of people who keep their contract and go back to the gym. There'll be a number of people who keep them both for a long term, but that's when it'll start to, we'll see numbers start to drop. That'll be a how they respond to that to either retain or to acquire new customers or to keep the brand value. Um, that'll be telling to see what, what kind of staying power it has. Yeah, definitely something to watch. Yeah. I think the, I think the growth, like, like Adam said, I think once things start to get to, I don't want to say normal, but when they get to a place where it's like post vaccine, mm -hmm. obviously you're going to, I think you're going to be able to see a significant growth drop. You're going to be able to tell when people are more are able to go out in the open, just like when when Facebook did uh, stories and you could see the growth halt on Snap. I think you're going to see the exact same chart when people are able to go open to get out in the open. I think what you're also going to see is I think you're going to see shifts in leadership because eventually they're going to hit a wall in innovation where it's like like you were talking about with Beyonce and Elvis, like have they hit the wall now for music? eventually they're going to, they're going to say like in one or two years, okay, we need, we need a fresh pair of eyes on this. How are we able to attract and add innovation here? How are we able to add innovation there? I think it's also interesting to think about too, when you consider some of the acquisitions that we're seeing come out today. I mean, I think it was Amazon buying Wondery. I mean, that's, that's a move. So that's, so that's Amazon opening up into the Spotify space, but it's more than that. If you think about anything that music touches. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing these categories bleed into each other. So you're seeing all of the you're seeing the fang. You're seeing all of them come out and saying, we want to be a part of this. You have like Apple coming out and saying that they wanted to do kind of like their own Peloton and everyone's saying it's a Peloton killer. You have Amazon that's trying to get into like the podcast music space. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're eventually going to do something too? Because they already have tons of bikes. And they have their own where they find out what's most popular and then they make their own to compete. So that could be an opportunity there. There's just, there's going to be a lot more competition. It's one of those things, as soon as you become top dog, everyone knows there's blood in the water and then they start coming for you. Yeah. So there's going to be far more competitors. Soul cycle is going to, is going to, I hate to use this word, but soul cycle is going to pivot probably if they're smart to try to figure out how they can, how they can create an opportunity there. Um, if I were them, I would, if I were Peloton, I, as soon as like, let's say that everyone's vaccinated in the spring in the summertime, I would do specific, I would do a world tour. I would do a world tour with all the trainers in major key cities and they get to go and they get to work out with their favorite trainer. You get yeah. to buy a ticket, the bikes there, you get to show up. And so it almost feels like a concert tour, but it's your favorite trainers and they have different ones. So you can do they have bar, they have Pilates, yoga, they have running, they have meditation, they have, um, they have the cycle. So doing a world tour that's able to hit all of these cities, have different trainers. So you can not only go to a specific city, see your favorite trainer, get that whole experience, but they're able to do it like across the country. 
that would be a huge way to get people excited, but also for acquisition purposes, create an opportunity for people to feel like what, like an ideal ride environment is like. If you went on this tour and you loved this ride with this trainer, well, you can do that same class at home. All you got to do is get this bike. That's what I, that's what I would pitch to them. Well, there you go. Maybe we'll get some of their executives to listen to this. I'll, I'll be tweeting at them. They should definitely hire you guys after this. Awesome ideas. Well, this was just such a pleasure. I am so thankful you guys came on here today. I'm really going to have to look at my bank account after this. Really. Try, the, try the app. Yeah. Try, try the app. I think it's like $15, $16 a month. Mm-hmm. Try that and see if that can incorporate and if you like it and if you like the vibe. And if you have like a Roku, you can even do the, you can even put them on your, um, on your TV so you can see it and kind of experience what that looks like. It's a really good test drive, but you can also still do it without. I mean, if you, yeah. you just want to do the app and do like bar and Pilates and, and yoga and stuff and, and even run outside, Adam, there is, there are outside ones where they, <laughs> yeah. They talk about hills and all the things. Oh, look at that. Well, I think one ride with Cody Rigsby, and I'm probably sold because I've had so many people be like, oh my gosh, he's doing a Britney ride or he's wearing a backstreet shirt in this, <laughs> this ride. You would like, love oh, him. Yeah, speaking love language, yeah. him. <laughs> exactly. His Britney ride is on another level. And he's he's one of the cult favorites too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm following him. I don't. but we're friends so (laughs) i love it well thank you guys so much again where can people anything you want to plug where can people follow you and um hear more of your insights and all of the things um you can find me at that christina g basically across everywhere or you can just search uh christina granette and i also am on medium if you ever want to read any of my thoughts yes and I also have a publication called In the Trenches there, which is just myself, but also highlighting other marketers and other practitioners and the people who work in the trenches that you may not have read any of their blogs before. Yes, which I love. You're such a megaphone for everyone. We just love you. And Adam, <laughs> remind people of your podcast. I'll have everything linked, but yeah, tell us where we can find everything. Oh, sure. You can find everything about me on adampierno.com. Uh, my podcast is called The Strategy Inside Everything. Uh, which is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you want to ask me questions about the dumb things I just said, call me out. <laughs> you can do that on Twitter. I'm at Apierno. And wait, how many books have you written? Because you you mentioned a few books. I've written two uh, nonfiction books and I've written one novel and I'm working on a second novel now. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll link those too because I- Oh, awesome. Thank you. Anyone who writes a book, I just- my, my hat goes off to you because that I That's can. It. You just did it. Now we're now you and I are going to work. I'm going to get you to write a book. It is not. Please, it is, if I can do it, I tr- trust me, if I can do it, it, is, it can't be hard if Adam can do it. I need the accountability. So yes, please. I would appreciate that. Let's so. do it. All right, guys. Thanks again. And um, I'll keep you posted if I get a bike. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. You can also join my Twitter chat at hashtag pop chat for weekly pop culture discussions you can actually learn from. If you have an idea for an episode, shoot me a DM at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>